So Jesus is teaching us here today. He's teaching us in the Gospel of Luke. And as Jesus teaches, he puts before us the human value system versus the value system of God, and he completely and he totally upsets our value system. We like this. This is what I like. I like eye for eye, tooth for tooth, tit for tat. Um, do you have kids? Do you have children? Uh, you understand this. Why did you hit him? Well, he hit me first. We understand that, right? My dad, I always heard him say this. He taught me many good things in life, don't get me wrong. And he's still teaching me good things. But he would always say this, I don't get mad, I get what? Even. The Hatfields and the McCoys. Church fights. Have you ever been in a good church fight? Remember what our kids say to each other? Why did you hit him? Well, he hit me first. Things really don't change, do they? Things are the same. True story about a church fight. There were some ladies in the congregation. They didn't really get along with each other. And one of the groups of ladies, they, they insisted that the church always use craft mayonnaise. The other group in the church, the other group of ladies insisted that they always use best food mayonnaise. In the Midwest, it's called what? Hellman's. <laughs> you know what that church did? This is a true story. You know how they resolved the conflict? They were about ready to do a big building project. They needed a new fellowship facility because their church was growing, and they needed to build a new big kitchen. But the ladies couldn't agree over mayonnaise. They built two, not just one, but two commercial kitchens in order to satisfy these ladies who fought over Kraft versus Hellman's mayonnaise. Unbelievable. It's a true story. And I talked to the pastor after he told the story, and he says, well, that church had way too much money anyway, so they just needed places to <laughs> spend it. Love my enemy. Pray for those who abuse me. Turn my cheek. Be merciful. Be merciful even as my heavenly Father is merciful. Jesus completely and totally upsets our value systems. It's made very clear in Jesus' teachings like we read today in uh, the Gospel of Luke. It's also made clear in Jesus' actions. The things that Jesus did, the things that Jesus said, completely and totally upset the value system of his day, and it's still happening today. Nothing has changed. An example of Jesus upsetting human value systems was when he had mercy, mercy upon the prostitute who was caught in the very act of her sin. You remember the account? They bring this woman before Jesus. They say, Jesus, the law of Moses demands that she be stoned. That is, that they throw stones at her until she is dead. 
And what does Jesus do? Jesus just simply, he, he, he stoops over and the Gospels, John, uh, John chapter 8 says that he just writes on the ground. And he looks up and he says, he who is without sin, do what? Cast the first stone. And he stooped down and he began to write in the ground again and eventually they just all begin to drop their stones and they walk away. And only Jesus and this prostitute are left there standing together. And what did Jesus say to her? Jesus said to her, where are your, your accusers? Is there nobody here to condemn you? And then he says, neither do I condemn you. Go from now on and sin no more. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is radical mercy. Radical mercy. Jesus not only forgave the sin of the prostitute, he also chose to hang out with, with prostitutes and tax collectors and with notorious sinners. The Gospels tell us that he was a friend of sinners. The same types of men who exploited the prostitute for their own gain in John 8 accused Jesus of being a glutton and of being an alcoholic. Or the King James uses this word, a what? A drunkard. Or a wine-bibber, I think maybe that's in the King James, I can't remember. Radical mercy. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend. Listen to this, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. In Luke 15, 1 through 2, just before he gives the great parables, in Luke 15, one of them being the parable of the prodigal son, he says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners. Hear that? This man receives sinners. And he eats with them. Radical mercy. Radical mercy. When I look at the Pharisees in the Bible, I see an image of myself. I see myself in the Pharisees. I am quick to judge, and I am slow to show mercy. That's who I am. I'm so glad I was not born during the time of Jesus Christ as a Jew in Jerusalem. I probably would have been the first to say, crucify him, crucify him. This reveals the hardness of my heart. I am quick to judge, and I am slow to show mercy. But Jesus was radical in mercy. He was radical in the mercy that he demonstrated towards sinners. I withhold mercy, but Jesus gives radical mercy. This is good news for us. It's good news for me. It's good news for a sinner like me. See, the Bible says that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's righteous and holy standard. So here the Bible gives us a standard of holiness and righteousness that we are to live up to. But we have all fallen short of the righteous and holy standard. Just read. 
Uh, Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, or in Luke's account, we call it the Sermon on the Plain. Read that and, and, and let your heart be, be revealed to it. Let the light of that truth shine upon you and it will reveal to you your sinfulness. Your sinfulness. But then Jesus comes to us. And he comes with a radical mercy, a mercy that forgives, a mercy that forgives and liberates by the gospel. As a matter of fact, it's such a radical mercy that it actually transforms us. This is a mercy that that is powerful and it's a mercy that actually transforms our hearts. It actually does this work within our hearts and it transforms us so that we're more like Christ. And then, and, then, and then this hardness of heart becomes softened within us by the mercy of Jesus Christ. And pretty soon we're, we're doing strange things like showing mercy to those who do not deserve mercy. Giving a radical mercy towards those who have even sinned against us. That's what mercy does. Mercy transforms the heart and causes us then to overflow with mercy towards others. This is the power of the gospel. You will never be a disciple of radical mercy, that is Christ-like mercy, until the depth of your sin, the darkness of your sin, and then the radical nature of Jesus' mercy towards you has been made known. When the radical nature of Jesus' mercy that covers your sin is made known to you, you are completely transformed. Completely transformed. You're a different person. The Bible says that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has gone and the new has come. And it's all because of this radical grace and mercy of Jesus. Where is this radical mercy to be found? Look no further than the cross. There Jesus at the cross loved his enemies. He loved his enemies. There at the cross, Jesus did good to those who hated him. He prayed for those who abused him. He turned the other cheek. He was stripped naked. He willingly did this for you so that you would receive mercy in exchange for your sinfulness. Unbelievable. This is radical mercy demonstrated by Jesus in his mercy, in his teaching, and ultimately and finally in his sacrificial death for the sin of the world. And now, as disciples of Jesus Christ, you and I have been set free. We are free in Christ. We have received radical mercy, radical mercy that has transformed us into disciples of radical mercy towards one another. It is Jesus' radical mercy that energizes and empowers the lifestyle of a disciple of Jesus Christ. It is radical mercy that empowers us and energizes us to obey the commands of Christ, 
to obey him, even though it, it, is, it is so against the value systems that we have established as humans. So we love. We love. Why do we love? We love because he first loved us. We bless because he first blessed us. We give because he first gave to us. We turn the other cheek because he first turned the other cheek to us upon the cross. We pray for others because he first prayed for us. We forgive because he first forgave us. For the disciple of Jesus, this ethic of radical mercy is commanded. We don't get to pick and choose the ethics we feel like obeying. As those given radical mercy and made disciples of Jesus, these commands are not optional. They are obeyed, but they are obeyed in joy and with great freedom because we are those liberated by the very mercy of Jesus Christ poured out for us through the cross. Good news, you are free in Christ. His mercy has liberated you. Completely free, completely free. Why are you free? And what does your freedom do? You are free because of Christ alone and his mercy. And what does your freedom do? Well, it transforms you. Galatians 5, 13 through 15, I believe, give us the theology of how this radical grace and obedience to Christ's command, how those things live together. And Galatians 5, 13, if you'd like to turn there in your Bibles. Galatians 5, 13 through... 15. There the Apostle Paul writes, For you were called to freedom, brothers. You were called to freedom. Christ has set you free by his finished work upon the cross. But there the Apostle Paul also says, Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. In other words, do not use your freedom as an excuse to sin, as an excuse to hate, as an excuse not to obey. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity to the flesh. But then he says this, but through love, serve one another. Serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite... And if you devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. These verses explain how radical mercy and obedience to Jesus work itself out in the Christian life. Many throughout the centuries have said this. They pointed at us in our theology and they have said your view of grace and mercy is too radical. They ask the question, how are you going to keep people in your flock from gross immor immorality if you preach such a radical message of grace and mercy? Won't your flock run wild 
if you give them such grace and mercy, if your message of salvation is so filled with radical grace and mercy, won't your people just do whatever they want whenever they want because there's always forgiveness? Because there's always absolution? Some people have pointed us and they said, your message is too radical. And here's the thing, a person who has never given Jesus' gift of grace and mercy will never be free from sin. They will never be free from sin. Those who have not heard of his radical mercy of our Savior will remain bound to sin. And because they are bound to sin, they will continue in sin. Actually, St. Paul says that that the law does nothing about changing our inward nature so that it lives in obedience. Actually, the law creates more of a desire for sin within us. You see, believers who understand radical mercy will never run wild because they are free from sin and they know that they are free to obey. But they live for Jesus because Jesus lived and died for them. Many have said your view of grace and mercy is too radical. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is only by receiving radical mercy that radical obedience to the commandments of Jesus becomes the lifestyle of the believer. We love others, not because they love us. We do good to others, not because they do good to us. We give to others, not because they give back to us. We love our enemies. We do good to our enemies. We expect nothing in return from them. Why? Because we are children of a merciful heavenly Father. That is why. Be merciful even as your Father in heaven is merciful. So Jesus upsets human value systems. But if he had not upset our human value systems, we would never become recipients of radical mercy. There would be no cross. There would be no salvation. We would simply receive what we deserve, and that is the fiery judgment of God's wrath. So thankful that Jesus came, and he upset human value systems and he bestowed upon you and I radical mercy mercy and grace that we do not receive mercy and grace that we could never attain liberated liberated to give to serve and to love our neighbors and this is hard we've all seen the man at the store begging for change right You've seen him. The hair on his face is dirty, dreadlocked, full of mange. He asks a man for what he could spare with shame in his eyes. What's the reply? Get a job, you blankety-blank slob. How many of you thought that before? 
think it all the time. But listen to this, God forbid that you ever had to walk a mile in his shoes. Just met a man last night, walked through the front doors of our church. It was towards the tail end of our missions banquet. And I got to talking to him, and uh, he had been a successful builder in Edmonds. Slept in our church last night. God forbid you ever had to walk a mile in his shoes, because then you really might know what it's like to sing the blues. Then you really might know what it's like. You might know what it's like. Another girl, her name is Mary. She got pregnant from a kid named Tom that said he was in love with her. Don't worry about a thing, baby doll. I'm the man you've been dreaming of. But three months later, he says he won't date her or return her calls. And then where does she head? She heads for the clinic and she gets some static walking through the door. They call her a killer, and they call her a sinner, and they call her a whore. God forbid you ever had to walk a mile in her shoes, because then you really might know what it's like to have to choose. Then you really might know what it's like. There's a kid named Max who used to get fat stacks out on the corner with drugs. He liked to hang out late. He liked to get high and to keep the pace with thugs. Until late one night, there was a big gunfight and Max lost his head. He pulled out his chrome 45 and wound up dead. Now his wife and his kids are caught in the midst of all this pain. You know what comes that way, at least that's what they say when you play the game. God forbid you ever had to wake up to hear the news, because then you really might know what it's like to have to lose. Then you really might know what it's like. Heard the song before? I hate addiction. I hate abortion. I hate all the things happening in our community. But what would happen if the church showed radical mercy? What if the church showed radical mercy? That is Jesus's radical mercy to people caught in the vicious cycle of sin. What if Mary, Mary pregnant with Tom's kid received grace and mercy from the church rather than condemnation from the church? Maybe she would make a different choice. What if the church committed to caring for Mary and her baby? Would an innocent life be spared? You see the the deep implications of this? How this really does meet reality, what Jesus says here. This isn't just uh, highfalutin theology. This is real life stuff that impacts hurting people right where they're at. This is radical mercy 
meeting the practical needs that exist on our streets. The gospel of radical mercy is powerful. It is actually the power of God that transforms us in powerful ways, in ways that cause mercy to flow from us, to flow from the church into lives that are hurting. Jesus does upset our value systems, but what a good thing to upset, because that is when people receive mercy and their lives are transformed. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for the truth of your word. I pray, Heavenly Father, that everyone gathered here today would, would know that mercy, that radical mercy that has come to us through the cross, which forgives us of all of our sins. And I pray, Heavenly Father, as those gathered, as those being transformed, by the good news of the gospel, I pray in Jesus' name that we would go with demonstrations of that radical mercy towards our neighbors. Heavenly Father, our community needs Jesus. So I pray for those in our community today. I pray that hearts and minds would begin to be transformed. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would create a mighty call and empower this congregation in mighty ways to truly go in peace, knowing that each and every person gathered here has received mercy, that they would go in peace, though, to serve you and to serve their neighbors. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.